Who are some of the other uh, acts that you went out on the road with when you were with Summer's Heat? You must have toured with like Lakesides and people like that. Yeah, exactly. Lakeside, yeah. And um, Chic, Earth, Wind & Fire, um, the Barquets, the Gap Band, the Ohio Players. Cameo? Cameo. Um, yeah, that was one. There was there were some others. Uh, Frankie Double Dutch Smith, you know who he is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, there were so many, man. I mean, we did this, we did that circuit, you know, where the all the R&B bands were together, you know. So, I mean, we weren't we weren't as big as the Ohio players, but you know, in, in regions of the country, we were bigger. It depended on where it depended on where we were, you know. So. We were we we were popular, but you know. Then let me think of some other other people. Man, it was so many, but I we, I named Confunction, Confunction, Cool in the Gang, Cool in the Gang. That, yeah, you know I think big. Well, some of the biggest groups back then were like Chic. Chic was big, huge. Rick James and was big. Rick James, and you know we just did all these kind. We did some. A lot of times we did concerts. Oh, there were festivals. And there were many R and B bands, so there might be five or six bands on the same show. So we definitely, um, you know, there were bands like Click. I mean, there was so there, I can I can't even remember all the names. Clear, Clear. We there. That was another one. I think Clear. I remember one show, and I think it was that band that loaned us their instruments because our truck was late. Oh, yeah. It was, and, and you know, I guess. Those were a sign of the times too, because people were, you know, really trying to help each other. You know, that's very cool. I've heard other stories like that too, so it's good to hear. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention some of the guys that you worked with with Summer's Heat. Very impressive uh, musicians in their own right, like um, Alphonse Muzan, yeah, um, uh, Kevin Tony for Kevin Tony from the Blackbirds, Diane Reeves, Diane Reeves. Uh, Oscar Brashear, Ernie Watts. Um, yeah, a lot of people, man. There were a lot of, I, I, you know, I was fortunate in that we hired a lot of the best people in the industry or that were in the industry at the time to perform on my records. So like Oscar Brashear, I mean, I, 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 um, I, and Alphonse Mouzon, I mean, you know, hands down, one of the best drummers on the planet. So at the, you know, at the time, so... Yeah, I, I always was into that. I was always into like making, uh, getting the best possible players and people I could recruit. And I think recruiting is the right word because you have to be a good recruiter because people don't want, if they don't want to work with you, they won't. You know what I'm saying? If they have a reason not to. But if the, usually with sessions or people are session musicians, they, they, they don't even really think about the personality of the people they're working for. They just, it's a payday, you know? They're getting paid to do what they like doing, you know. So I, I noticed on those records too, Bill, that you kind of went back and you did a little flute and you did some more of the other instruments. And so it must have felt good to be able to kind of show everything you could do on those. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, the first record, it was called Feel the Heat, I think. Uh, my first record with, with Prestige. And I mean, I figured it would be my last. It was my debut record. So I, I didn't know if, it, if there would be any more. So I did everything on my first record that I thought I would ever want to do on a record, period. Hmm. It had seven languages on it. 
<laughs> you know, okay, so you know, giving it an idea. And that was actually Diane Reed's first record that she ever performed on, was my wow. soul, soul record. And then there was Skip Scarborough. You know who he is? He was Yeah, he wrote a lot of songs. Woo! Can't hide love. Man, this guy was man, I was fortunate enough to have him involved. You know, and then I moved from him to, to Ndugu, who passed recently. Yeah. You know, very sad. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good friend. He was a good guy. So at any rate, uh, what other what other damning questions do you have? <laughs> well, well, why did uh, why did Summer's Heat come to an end? I didn't know it did. <laughs> well, in terms of new albums. Well, we, we have the newest one we did. Well, you, you, you took a long sabbatical in the 80s. I mean, you'd be surprised. I really didn't. You see, you don't understand the dynamics of what I do is in my, I'm into the educational aspect also. I have a, an organization called Club Kid. And Club Kid is what I wish would have been around when I was a young musician. I, I, what, I, what we do is we help young musicians and older ones realize their dream. We actually do it. We do it. We don't play. We don't, we, we don't BS. Somebody's got, we find someone, so let's help this person get there. They'll say, what do we need to do to get them there? And we make it happen. And they give, now, now we, we were talking about summer season. Let me tell you, no one that's ever been around me and in my band ever graduates. There is not a point in time where I'm not communicating with those people that were in the band. There's not one day that goes by that I don't speak to somebody in that band. Not one day. Okay, now give, let me give you an example of how deep it really goes. Uh, Claytoven and, and, and Larry, Claytoven Richardson and Larry Batiste have become famous when it comes to putting musical productions together. Now, uh, what, now, what is Summer Seed doing today? Four members of Summer Seed are going to be at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion on April the 12th. Clay Tobin, Larry, Scott Roberts, Bill Summers. Now, those are four people in the band of a band. That's half the band right there. Okay. And uh, we're, what we're doing is we're raising funds for arts and entertainment in the, in, 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 in the Los Angeles Unified School District under a guy named Rory Pullins, who was over 900 schools in, in the L.A. area. It's a huge show. Sheila E., her father, actors, politicians. Okay, so here we are. We're not, you know, Summer Seed is still rolling. That is Summer Seed. Believe me, look at who wrote all that music. You're going to see Larry and Clay Tobin and Bill Summers an awful lot. And so all of these, I just, Lori Hams is in Switzerland. I just finished doing percussion on her record. She was the lead vocalist. Hmm. So we're all, we're, we're, but, but no one graduated. But we, we, this is lifelong commitment. And Larry is, is, as a, a top official in Naris in San Francisco. He he and Clay Tobin put the music together for the Grammys, okay? Nice. 
Okay, so my guys, this is, you know, I'm proud of that. Tentacles man. everywhere. Yeah, we're, I, I mean, I, I know one thing. I, if, if you ask them, what, got, what, what, what helped get you where you're at? They got, they got to say Bill Summers. They got to because we're, because it is what it is. They say it to me all the time. So, man, I'm glad we did what we did and we're still doing it. That's great. Yeah, we're still, man, you have no idea how close we all are. We That's are great. very tight, very tight. And I know you, you did go on to work with Herbie again and you did some more headhunters. Yeah, we sure did. And, you know, that was another thing. Um, I was producing for Herbie after all of the crazy stuff happened. I don't know how I did it, but, you know, we, 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 we got back together. You know, I don't know what what special thing I, I have with him that the other band members don't. I don't know what that is. But um, um, I, I was somehow, oh, I remember what happened. Herbie, I was... I was talking to Herbie one day and he was coming up. He wanted to do something. He wanted to do something with street music. That's where that this is the drum concept came up. He said, man, I, I want to just do some, I want some street people and, you know, I want some ghetto stuff. And so, so he put me together with this guy that I think was the producer or co-producer on Rocket. Bill Laswell? No, it was a this was a oh, this was a black D, black DJ kind of guy. He, I don't know, DM, Q, DMZ or DMC. Oh or yeah, uh-huh. some shit I don't know. And DST. So, yeah, so I mean I can't remember. I just yeah. don't. I know it was somebody Herbie worked with on Rocket. So I went over to the studio and, I, and 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 for two weeks I sat with this DM whatever it is DMV or D- Department of Motor Vehicles. I don't know. <laughs> what, Man, look, look, we're in there two weeks. You know what we did? Nothing. <laughs> Zero. And like, I'm like, I'm like, Herbie, I can't do this. I don't give a fuck about the money. You keep the money. I'm, I'm out of here. I can't do this. I'm not going to sit around here. It felt like two years instead of two, you know, a couple of weeks. Because I'm, I'm not used to not doing nothing. I can't do that all day. So... This guy, what I'm just saying, I, I, I don't, I'm glad I don't know his name. So I'm not, you know, you know, I don't know. But at any rate, um, I saw a couple of things and I said, Herbie, I ain't doing it. So I, I said, man, can I go home and put something together for you? Or just put something together myself, by myself. I'll bring it back to you and see what you think. So I put some tracks together with some ghetto guys that I know. There's a guy named Bob Dog. <laughs> And one more the man, Bob Dog, and uh, oh man, I can't remember his name right now. But it's but anyway, these guys are they had a funk band, and they hired me at one point to come and live with them for a couple of weeks to teach them how to put a band together, like to how to really run a band. You know, they they actually paid me to come and stay at the house with them, so I could school them. So I did, and and we and, and we became really tight, good friends. And uh, so, I, and I know they were gangsters. You know, they were like uh, selling weed, and <laughs> they were street people, man. I mean, that's what you want. You want it's authentic, authentic to the Rosky Dosky. I mean, raw street Cadillac. They had an old Cadillac that they had, and they drive around with their guns and they weed. <laughs> but man, these were sweet guys. These guys were not bad guys. They weren't bad guys, not at all. 
it's funny, you know, you, you get this image, you know, the police say they, they, they shot because they were afraid. Oh, bullshit, bro. Because a lot of these people, they are living the myth. They're living the what they saw on TV, like, you know, Wyatt Earp and, uh, and the Rifleman. See, they get that image and they think that's the shit, you know? <laughs> so they added in what they think when they start, you know, they want to be that. They want to be that. They want to be Batman and shit. And I'm trying to tell them, dude, and they got guns. I used to tell them, they, I hired these guys. Remember, this is really funny. So I get these guys, we do the little track together. I bring it to Herbie. Herbie says, that's the shit I've been looking for. <laughs> so I say, okay, well, man, I'm going to bring my, me and my boys, we're going to come and start working on the project. So I bring, I bring the guys over. Will, yeah, man, yeah, Will, big, his name was Will Rock. He's still around, Will Rock and Big, and, and, and Bob Dog. So I bring them over. Now, uh, Bob Dog is bigger than the state of Louisiana. He's a big guy. He's yeah. huge. And then there's there's uh, Will Rock. It's really dark like his shirt. Now, Herbie's house is kind of kind of whitish. You know what I'm saying? It's a little... <laughs> you know, it's more like Hollywood. You know, up in the hills. Hollywood. Yeah, my man, my guys drive up in the old Cadillac. You know, big, long Cadillac with the fins on it. You know? <laughs> they get out of the car and they come up into the office. And I say, man, well, I want you to meet Melinda and, you know, this is the family, you know, Herbie's family. And they looked. <laughs> they said, oh, shit. So that day, let me tell you, man, look, before the guys left, that, that when, when uh, I think the next day when they came back, everything in the house was locked up. You know, they had locked it. <laughs> you know, but now let me tell you, you know, what happened was really funny. Over the period of, t- period of time that we worked on the record, which was over a year, it was over a year. Well, at the time we worked on the record, these people that were afraid of these guys began fell in love with them. It's amazing. They were more like, man, we love these. They love these people, man. They actually understood. Look, we have nothing to fear from these people. They were loyal. You know. They were loyal. They were sweet guys, and they and Melinda and 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 Herbie, his family, and then Gigi, his wife. They just Bob eventually died, which was very hard for one of for one of Herbie's for a couple of Herbie's people because they had to go to love these people, and so it goes to show you that you can mix oil with water. It's possible, you know. You know how to do it. Well, I, I loved how the record turned out too. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was underrated. It didn't get. The, it was underrated. Yeah, it was underrated, and it did, and, and it was it's some stuff on it that's really just now become palatable for for an, for an audience. I think some of it is so deep, it's some deep stuff like this is the drum, and some you know like just some stuff on it that's just kind of out there. You know, it's just you have to you know, and then then we felt at the time because it took us so long, took us so long to complete it, and I remember asking them, I said, Herbie, we need to finish this. You know, man, it's going on. It's a, it's over a year. It could it was probably a year and a half or so. And I'm saying, well, you know, this stuff is old now, Herbie. When it comes to street music and it comes to adding certain elements, it it only has a five six month shelf shelf life. You know what I'm saying? Then, especially with black people, with with the with the guys that are in it, they they're on to something different, and everybody else is trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they catch up, they're on to something else. Yeah. You know, so. 
you know, that's what happened with that. I, I think it was underrated. I think it was, it wasn't looked at. And one other problem, problem was, I think at the time, and, and according to Herbie's, Herbie's memoirs, he was having some kind of dependency issues, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah, I heard I, that. Yeah. I mean, what is in the book? I, I, you know, I haven't read the book, but I, I've seen excerpts from it, and I've heard people tell me that he, he, he checked into rehab. You know, it's in the book. I mean, I can't. It's in the book. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like the label didn't really get behind it, too. I think maybe because it was so delayed. I don't know. It could, Herbie could have created a problem for, for the record. I don't really know. I just know we put our blood, sweat, and tears in it. And I know there was a point we did. We redid Butterfly. I, it's on that. I think it's on that record. The, uh, this is the drum. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and and I believe, and I think it's beautiful, but I had to I had to convince Herbie to leave the city. To do it, we we went somewhere in I don't know where we were Santa Barbara or somewhere we went out of town, so he could focus, and he wasn't, you know, preoccupied with distractions. You know, because Herbie would, he liked to go to Spoggles. You know about Spoggles. Yeah. He'd go to Spoggles. I'd go and find him at Spoggles. You know, I said, well, where's Herbie? I wouldn't bother him, but he'd be in there doing his thing. But, I mean, we were concerned about him, you know. So, you know, I think he was. there were things going on at that particular time that he was having some issues with, you know, like everybody else. Yeah, he's human, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he worked it out and he's still around. Yeah, well, he was going to work it out. He's, he, everybody has you know, times and periods where they, they're, they're soul searching, you know, yeah, everybody has that, you know, there have been periods that I remember, I remember a period in my life when I was, I had a summer seat over in Europe, I was signed to MCA and I, t- I said, I'm, we need to stretch out and go to Europe and, and, and build our name in Europe so I put the whole band on the plane, I had about thirty-four, forty thousand $40,000 in cash in my pocket and and, uh, we went to London, and and I had a, I had a, my la- my record was called London Style. I think it was my last record with MCA. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the week that the record was, I, I, you know, we was we started recording, finishing up the record in a place called Air Recording Studios in London. Next door to us, while we were recording my record, Paul McCartney was in the next studio. Huh. So you know, I'm thinking like I'm trying to I'm doing I'm, I'm making a, a a career move really. I'm trying to get us on another level. And so I had gotten a budget for the record. And the week that the record was supposed to be released, they fired Urban Azoff as the president. Mm. And and then everybody else got fired. And it was like the stock market crashing. I'm in Europe. I got a band. I've got a few dates lined up. And I'm trying to come back home off of a European tour. It makes you look good. You know, to, and the, pre, the press around it was good. I think I'm, I'm making the right move, but oh my God, no, no, it, it was okay. I, it was the right move, but it was it was painful because um, I didn't have any money now, and I didn't have a record now. And they and and they had to reorganize the record label, hire a new president who was then going to hire a new staff, and somebody was then going to hire hire the R&B guy because if you were black, you couldn't be pop. Mm. You see what I'm saying? They had to fix. They had to figure it out. So, yeah. what? So what they did do is say, "Well, we we don't want to. We, we don't want to let you go. So we're going to exercise a, one of the options. 
they had an option. They exercised. They gave me some money. I bought a Mercedes bus. I bought enough. I bought a, a PA system. I bought enough band gear. I bought a and I, I bought a Citroen, a car, and I put the band in a hotel. And I bought wardrobe for the album cover. No, I had to spend all this money. And um, so now, no record. I'm in Europe. I got round trip tickets, a bunch of gear, a Mercedes bus, and a car. And I'm trying to build this band up. And I don't know if I have a career anymore. So, so what I started doing was drinking that German beer. Okay. Every, every, you know, it got to be. You know, every couple of days, and it got to be every day. <laughs> you know, it just got to be. Look, and I, I had been warned years before by a spiritualist, be careful of alcohol. And I'm saying, well, damn, I don't have any issues with alcohol. Well, why would, you know, some, but just in hindsight. So it gets to the point. Let me tell you how bad this got. I got the whole band. We're living, we're living in Worms, Germany. And I'm footing the bill. I'm buying the groceries. I'm paying people some kind of money. So I'm running out of cash. I'm, I'm, I'm like down and out. I'm running out of cash. I, every day I would get in my car and drive to Heidelberg, Germany. And I would get out of the, I would have instruments with me. I would get out the car and take my instruments to the city square and play for whatever money people would give me. The band didn't even know I was doing it. Mm -hmm. I'd come back, I'd have groceries. We'd hang out. We, you know, we we were, we were surviving, and then we, then I remember I got two. I got a gig in a place called Wilflecken, near the Fulda border, near the East German border, and um, uh, and and a guy in a hotel had sympathy for me, in a place called Poppenhausen, and he he, he supplied rooms for me and the whole band and said, you, when you get the money, you'll pay me. I said, fine. So we live, we were actually living out of Schwarzwald, okay? <laughs> so we go and we get this gig. Just you ever heard a band called Mother's Finest? Oh yeah. I've had I had I had um the uh leader on the show. Um Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well we were booked to to open for them in Will Fleckett. And this was like gonna be eight grand that I'm gonna get. This is gonna pay the bills. This is going to straighten everything out. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. So we drive from another gig, which is about 300 miles away, to get to Will Flecken. We get to Will Flecken, and we drive up into the site where the concert is, and I see, I see a crew on the stage tearing down the lights. I said, well, they should be setting the lights up. You know, I'm like, uh-oh, something's up. So I go and I talk to the sound man. They're starting to dismantle the sound. I said, well, you know, what's what's going on? The guy says, you know, the promoter doesn't have the money. We're leaving. What? Now, just like this Alvin Few guy, doesn't have the money. So I go, and I didn't get a deposit either. So I go to the guy, and lo and behold, he doesn't have the money. So I'm like, I'm, well, I can't fold. I know that it's, it, it's the final, this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back. I already know that. I already know that I'm going to have to get everybody back home. So uh, I'm like really depressed. Nah, nah, I'm cool though. Um, so I said, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's take all our band equipment and go into the beer tent. And we'll just play for whatever people give us. It got to be like that, like a street musician. So we set up the gear 
went into beer tent. They gave us a bunch of beer and pitches. It was Oktoberfest or something. And, uh, and so we sat there. We played. They paid us. The people started dancing and giving us money. We made a couple of grand or what. I don't know. We made some money. So now I go to the hotel, which ain't that far away. Everybody's in their room. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I hear a knock on the door. Yeah, who is it? It's Bo. Bo is my bass player. I open the door. Bo's got his head now. He can't look me in the eye. I said, man, what's wrong? It's 5 o'clock in the morning. He said, man, I turned, I, I turned the bus over. You what? You turned the bus over? <laughs> There's the bus that I bought. This is an investment. If everything fails, I can cash in, right? I can sell a bus. I can sell a car. I, it's, it's like you can't spend it if you can't. You know, right? It's, it's an asset. So um, I said, man, he said, I said, well, how bad? He said, all the equipment is in it, too. It's all, everything is destroyed. And that wasn't all. There was a girl in the bus that he was with, and she was still in the bus. Oh. <laughs> this is in my memoirs. This is one of the stories. That, so look, I said, oh, it's, it's like, it's not, it's, it's still dark. I said, man, let's go. I jump in my little Citroen, me and about three or four other guys in the band, to go to where the bus turned over. By the bus turned over in a ditch, in a, you know, one like a ravine, like. There is a girl bleeding like crazy in the van. So I said, well, let's get her out of there. So we get her out of there and we put her in the car and take her back to the hotel. And there's no elevator. I'm on the third floor. We carry her up three flights of stairs. We get her in the room, I get some towels, and I wipe her face off, and it was a superficial wound. It wasn't bad. She had been drinking. He had been drinking. She was 16, and he was about 19. Okay. So now I'm like, okay. So she, we get her cooled out. I put her in the car. I take her within yards of her place. And, let, and tell her, we see, I say, are you okay? She says, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, don't worry about me, I'm okay. I say, okay, if you sure you're okay, good, then I'll see you later. You know, and I never saw her again. I never talked to her again. And But when I got back to the hotel, of course, now I don't have the bus. There's nothing for the band to ride in. And the gear is messed up. Okay, so I'm, a, I'm already like, let, let me have a beer. I'm already there. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But I had this episode, like, so so I, I could, I, I, I forgive and forget because we all have issues sometimes. We all have to deal with demons or deal with something that tests us. You know what I'm saying? Herbie had his test, I've had mine. You know, so that was like, that was like 1984 about? Yeah, man, and I'm going to tell you, let me tell you something. When I lost that deal, if you know what it is to re to have to climb the ladder again, I'm gonna tell you what happened. I I came back. Let me, I got on a plane. I left Worms, Germany. I had a duffel bag. I had more stuff, but I only can carry. I only had two arms. I walked to the train station to the Bahnhof. I got a train to the to the um, to the Frankfurt mine air, airport. But by the time I got on the plane, I had twenty five cents. 
And that was it. I'm talking about left to my name, period. Period. It was all gone. I had 25 cents. That was it. I was able to get pay my airport tax, get my bags, get my few things on the plane. And that was a few percussion instruments. And uh, I got on the plane, and I, I sat next to two people. They were having their 50th wedding anniversary. And they wondered why. You know, they said, well, could, would you drink, have a drink with us? And I said, I didn't have any money. I could, I, and I didn't need to be drinking anyway, you know. So I said, yeah, no, yeah. So eventually, y'all already bought me. I don't like, you know, really, I'm really careful with drinking, and I don't really like drinking in front of people. I never have. So I was able to deal with that. But, you know, then eventually we just talked to talk as you're on the plane for eight hours or whatever, and uh, I told him my story. So on the way off the plane, this was an old white couple. On the way off the plane, I feel some something somebody's hand in my pocket. And I'm like, what the hell? Is... My man was putting money in my pocket. And I, I I reached out, I said, I can't take this. He said, man, take this money and get off the plane. <laughs> so he put some money in my pocket. I don't know, he got 40, 50 bucks or something. A friend of mine picked me up at the airport. My, actually, it was my son's mother. Picked me up at the airport. She took care, care of me. You know, while, while I tried to get back on my feet. And then I got an a envelope. This God is wonderful. I got an envelope in the mail. Check this out. Somebody was stealing from me at the record company. They got audited. And the, aud the auditor found out that I was being cheated. I got a check in the mail for about $8,000. Wow. Yeah, right. It just, bam. I mean, it was. It took about a week after I got home. It happened, a week or two. Wow. I took the money, and I moved to a place called Camp Meeker, California, near the near Occidental or near Santa Rosa. Up in the, I moved in the, in, in the middle of a redwood forest. And for one year, I cut trees down and made and carved drums. So I, I rehabbed myself. I, I self-have me. <laughs> I got myself clear and clean and real like, okay, I get up in the morning, it's nothing but trees and grass and birds and owls and, you know, deer. And there ain't nothing up there, but, but wow. So I stayed up in there and I got myself, my mind together. I really got, and then I, I drove to LA and I said, I'll have to climb the ladder again. So I went and I did it. And, and I think what happened, I think I was there maybe six or seven months. I get a call from Quincy Jones. Shit, this it, color purple. Oh, uh -huh. you know, some you know, and some other things happened around before that. But you know, I, it's it just started going back up again. You know, wow. You know, there's one of the reasons that Summer Seat never came out with another record. That kind of like, that was like the end of the road for that being like together like that. Anyway, these are some hell of a stories, huh? Yeah, that's a fantastic story. And <laughs> I appreciate you sharing so many of them man, uh, look, with me. You have no idea. There's some, man, my book is really, my, my, my memoirs, I, I can't, I'm scared to put it out. Is it is it done? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, I finished it four years ago. So I got I to gotta update it, but Man, I've seen some stuff that I put in the book you wouldn't believe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's drugs, the drug sex and rock and roll for really, for real.
Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you just want to get out as a message to any of the viewers before we sign off? So I think that I think it's an honor to be asked to do an interview by a person like you. And I think it's my obligation to to speak to the people while I have a chance to do it. Well, it's much appreciated. Bill. How, how can people best keep up with what you're doing? And are you going to have uh, any new recorded music coming out in the future? Well, listen, I, if you go, I have a um, I have a couple of I, I have a Internet record label that I've started. So if you go to Amazon.com or iTunes or any of those internet stores, I have I just did a project in Cuba and in, in Cuba in Matanzas uh, with a group called Los Leyes del Tambor, which is Kings of Kings of the Drum. And uh, it was a club kid project, my club kid project that I told you I have this organization where I help young people. And I go around the world doing it. I just go places and I do it. So I bring a studio with me, and I, like this group, I recorded them in, uh, in, in the kitchen, in a bedroom. And then I took the tracks to a hotel, and I took the mattresses off the beds in the hotel and put them up to the windows and recorded in overdubs. <laughs> you know, so I do stuff like that. It's like real grassroots, gorilla kind of stuff. So I, I just released a, a recording on them called Los Reyes Del Tambor, which is on, you can find it on, on iTunes. And then I also released a, a, a spoken word artist that I put some music behind. His name is Peter Haroon. <clears throat> it is called The Masses. So we released a single on him on my label. And I also released a Kwanzaa record, a Kwanzaa CD, which, which is music for Kwanzaa. I guess you're familiar with Kwanzaa. I don't know if you know anything about Kwanzaa. The holiday? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an alternative to Christmas for Black yeah. people. <clears throat> so I did that. George Clinton is on it. And did uh -huh. that report for the brand new heavies and a bunch of artists from from New Orleans. So I, I released that. I, it, it's, that music has been done for years, but I released that. So I'm releasing stuff, and I'm going to release some stuff. I released an R&B single on it recently called, what is that, what's the name of that? Um, Stop for a Minute. It's an R&B, like, soul ballad with seven with about five languages on it saying i love you in in, in five or six different languages mm. but it's a it's a story behind the song so it's an r&b thing it's something like it's a, like uh summer seat would have done so it's available these things are available right now so i plan to release like a hundred uh singles in the next couple of months is that all <laughs> well i mean i just it's been i got all this stuff in the can it's not mm. like you know, I just, I, I, I record every day, just about. Hmm. So I'm, I have a, an arsenal of unrecorded, of unreleased uh, material. <clears throat> so that's one thing that I'm, you know, I want people to know about that they can go and find Bill Summers if they go in there and they look up, I stop for a minute or The Masters with Peter Haroon or Los Reyes Del Tambor. They can find some good music. And, and I'm going to continue to do that. So that's probably... What I'm doing, I'm also involved in that thing at the Dorothy Chandler I told you about, and um, and continuing. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for my uh, nonprofit status from the IRS for my 501c3, which is Club Kid, <clears throat> and I've been offered funding for a couple, couple of three years from a big company. So I'm just, I, you know, I have to keep many irons in the fire, and I suggest that everybody out there that's you know, one thing I do know that I like to say to people is if you have in your if if in your mind 
when you were a child, you, you thought you wanted to be in the arts or you thought you wanted to be an actor or a singer or a musician. It's not too late because the worst thing in the world to do is to go to your grave not giving yourself a chance to do what God put you there here to do because, because you know exactly what he wants or she wants you to do. You know what it is inside your mind and your body. And if you didn't give a chance to self, a self a chance to do it, then shame on you. People should do it. And a lot of young musicians come to me and say, well, what should I do? I say, well, do you have a job? They say, yeah, I'm working at the, at the grocery store. I said, but you play music. Yeah, I play music. I play music all the time. Every time I got, well, are you, is that on your spare time? He said, yeah, I guess so, because I got to work. I said, well, you should make your work spare time <laughs> and make the job what you, what you really like doing and at least get enough money for six months to float yourself for six months where you do nothing but what you really want to do with your life to see if you can do it. Mm -hmm. Buy the time to do if you could buy the time to fulfill your dream. And then if you can't do it in six months, if you don't see great progress, then yeah, go back to the job. But at least you know you satisfied that urge and that dream. Inspirational. And well, it's the truth. It ain't nothing, it ain't rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not no soothsayer, no, you know, all holier than thou kind of guy. I just know things. I just know stuff, you know. I know. I know how things work, you know. So, okay, well, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Because if I didn't like talking to you, we were, it wouldn't have lasted this long. <laughs> much appreciated. Thank you so much, Bill. <laughs> All right, I'll see you later. Call it what you want. I call it a fabulous career's work of jazz, funk, jazz, funk, Latin, funk, and world music by a force of nature, Mr. Bill Summers. Did he have some great passion and stories or what? Amazing. One more time. A big thanks to Mr. Bill Summers for spending so much time and sharing those stories with us. As we wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm, a sincere thank you to you, the viewers, and also the listeners of this program. Thank you for the support. Be sure to look out for upcoming episodes of Truth and Rhythm and previous installments at funkandstuff.net, YouTube, iTunes, and other leading providers. And we want to hear from you. Drop me an email at scottg at funkandstuff.net. Let me know what you like, who you want to see on the show. Been hearing so much more from you guys, and it's fantastic. I love the passion. Lastly, please subscribe to Truth and Rhythm at YouTube through the FunkinStuff.net channel. Show your support for the program, especially the featured artists who have done so much to brighten our lives with incredible funk, jazz, and R&B music. Subscribe. Get friends to subscribe. Show the support. Keep the funk alive. And so with that, until next time, as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.